0: Well, we are diving into Romans. We'll be in Romans beginning in cha- uh, chapter 8, the, uh, verse 12 through 17 this morning. Um, as we start out, uh, just want to re- want to let you know, most of you know, you probably all know, Rebecca and I have two children. Um, as you also may know, they are not here, so I get to talk about them all day long, and they will never... No, I'm just kidding. Um, actually... Uh, Probably most of you know, maybe some of you don't, uh, we adopted both of our children from birth. Go ahead with the uh, the picture there so everybody can, oh, look at that. Uh, the one on your left is Claire and this is Nick and um, again, they are not here so they don't need, no, I got their permission to show their baby pictures this morning. So Claire was born in Wichita, Kansas in January 1998. Nick was born in San Diego, California in December of 2000. I still remember walking into the hospital, uh, well, three years apart, but both of those times, walking into the hospital to meet these babies just hours old, reaching out to touch them, to hold them, to rock them, to feed them, to care for them. Uh, both stayed in the hospital for a few days uh, with, with some, some health needs and things, and then we got to take them home with us. Uh, uh, Claire was actually born uh, about a month premature and so uh, we were definitely surprised uh, and uh, everything happened really, really fast and I remember uh, scurrying throughout the week that she was in the hospital there uh, getting the, the nursery ready and all those kinds of things. Um, uh, with, with Nick, we were scrambling to get on a plane last minute and get tickets and, and make arrangements for Claire while we were gone to go get him and, and, uh, where we were gonna stay out in San Diego. And just to let you know, San Diego is not a bad place to spend Christmas. I'm just, just saying, uh, it's, it, I know it was much better than uh, than Kansas City in the year 2000, and probably much much warmer and nicer than uh, than Northeast Ohio as well. But uh, with both of our kids, we went through the uh, the whole adoption process. We paid the fees, and we received the approvals, and we stood before judges, and we signed papers. We officially became family, and we will be family forever. These children are ours. They are ours. Uh, On good days and on bad days, they are ours. On days of great success and days of failure, they are ours. On the highs and the lows, the days of funny jokes and fond memories, and the days of hurt feelings and anxiety and, and good behavior and arguing and happy times and discipline and everything in between, through it all, they are our kids. They've been fully and completely adopted. We're family. The book of Romans says that that is a picture that we need to have in our heads when we think about what it means to live life following God. Paul says in 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 the eighth chapter of uh, of Romans uh, we looked at last week we we saw there the first uh, first uh, few verses there uh, one through eleven that we looked at last week the Holy Spirit gives us the power to uh, to to live holy lives and the Spirit frees us from the bondage of sin and that Spirit uh, raised Jesus from the dead and is now living within us and it's also the Spirit then he says uh, in in the passage we'll look at today it's that same Spirit that brings us brings about our adoption. Into the family of God. Jesus was God's only begotten Son. Obviously, Jesus and God the Father very close, intimate relationship. We get a special look at that in Mark chapter fourteen, verse thirty six, where we find Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, where uh, moments before his uh, his betrayal and then his crucifixion, and he prayed and he called out to his Father, and he said, uh, "Abba, Father." Now, you might get a certain something in your head when you hear that term, Abba. Maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't. When the Bible talks about Abba, Father, it's not talking about a Swedish rock group from the 70s, okay? That's not where we're at here. Uh, we Abba, Father, is an Aramaic word that can be translated as dad or daddy. So nothing to do with all the other that, that, uh, that, that you might be thinking of in days gone by. Dad or daddy. Uh, Jesus actually used, you know, they, they, uh, they didn't necessarily speak Aramaic, um, uh, in, in, in their conversation, but, but this was a very specific, uh, thing Jesus uttered to his father in prayer, uh, calling him dad or daddy. It's significant because it gives us this uh, glimpse into how close Jesus and his father uh, In his hour of need, Jesus, God's only begotten son, called his father by this intimate name, Daddy. Maybe even more significant is that that same term, Abba, Father, is used only two more times in Scripture. Both of those places, it's talking about what we can call God the Father, Abba. Father, Daddy. One of the passages is right here in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are... The children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption into sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I still remember, um, signing a Valentine card to Claire, uh, less than a month after she was born. Hey, I mean, she, she was pretty advanced and she was reading by then. And, uh, so, so we gave cards. No, uh, anyway, we obviously just having fun with this, uh, this newborn. Uh, it, I, I still remember, you know, it was what, eight, over 18 years ago now, but still remember signing that card, Love Daddy. And getting a little emotional. First time I'd ever written "Love Daddy" on anything, right? Um, that title uh, exemplifies a unique relationship that no one else in the world, except two people, have with me, right? Uh, Claire and Nick are the only people that can call me Daddy. Now uh, they don't call me Daddy anymore unless they want something. Uh, but uh, there's there's still a there's still an intimate connection there, right? It's unique, only to them. And Paul says that that daddy relationship is available to us with God. It's the same relationship that Jesus had with God while while here on earth, and that can be ours, an intimate, personal, father-child relationship. We can figuratively crawl up into the lap of our Father God. Now that changes some things. God isn't just a, a, a big, uh, you know, an old grandfatherly figure up in the clouds somewhere. God isn't uh, just this judge sitting uh, with a black robe behind a desk and a gavel ready to judge us for, for, for what we've done. God wants a relationship. He wants to be our father. Now, I'm well aware that, that, that father imagery can conjure up many different things to different people based on our experiences with our earthly fathers. But uh, And I don't know what your uh, experience has been, but I know that what Scripture talks about is that when God is our Father, it's holding up a, uh, the, the image of a perfect Father. So when we say Abba, Father, we are seeing Him as our provider and our protector and our guide and our disciplinarian and our comforter and our leader. God is our dad, daddy. What He wants most is for you and I to be His devoted children. So, so what's the process? How, how does all this work? What's the, uh, uh, what's the, what's the situation here? I, I mean, probably you're you're a bit familiar i know from from personal experience what our process was through adoption i know there are families uh in the church that have uh adopted um or or have uh have personal experience with uh with with the adoption process what is the process of being adopted by god well well it may help for us to kind of walk through the process of uh, of adoption uh here and what what we're familiar with and so i'll just kind of walk through what 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 we experienced um it, it, the adoption process in the United States is different from state to state. So each state governs the adoption process in their state. The more the more lines you cross, the uh, the more complicated it gets. The more expensive it gets. Uh, obviously, if you go from one state to another, uh, then it's it's more complicated, and you're dealing with uh, which state is going to be in jurisdiction and all those kinds of things. Of course, if you go out of the country, which a lot of people have have uh, done over the uh, recent uh, recent past, um, then uh, then then there's even more uh, expense and more red tape and and all of those things, more complicated and everything. Um, you know, Claire uh, was born in a hospital about a mile and a half from where we lived. There was, that was the simplest, easiest, uh, if, if adoption is simple and easy, which it's not, that was the simplest and easiest way to do it. Obviously, living in Kansas and, uh, and adopting a child from California meant a little bit more uh, of all the, all the stuff. Um. In the state of Kansas, and that's just what I know, but uh, in the state of Kansas, adoptive parents have to go through, uh, the, go through the steps of being approved by a licensed social worker. That means paperwork and and several meetings and and a a couple of in-home visits to make sure that this is a fit home for a a child to to, to be adopted into. The adoptive parents also have to have legal representation. Uh, They usually work with an adoption agency or an adoption facilitator to be matched up with a birth mother. There are many legal documents to sign. There are hoops to jump through. There are notifications to be made to all the parties involved. And, and it all takes time. After the initial uh, signing, uh, then there's a 30-day waiting period, and then a judge finalizes the adoption. And along the way, there's there's uh, money and fees paid to agencies and attorneys and hospitals. And uh, I mean, it was it was quite a process for us. And and again, Kansas is one of the one of the easier states. Uh, um, and then of course you multiply that for uh, for international adoption. But with, with, with adoption, so there's there's quite a process. If we're, when I'm thinking adoption immediately, I go to that process and oh, there's all this time and there's red tape and there's cost and there. With adoption into the family of God, there are no attorneys, no social workers, no prior approvals, no legal documents and no waiting period. There is a price, but it's already been paid. We All we have to do is accept the offer. We have sinned and broken the relationship with God, but Jesus died on the cross and rose again to pay that cost so that we can be adopted. We deserve to be separated from God, but instead we can be adopted into his family. All we have to do is accept that offer through faith. Now adoption I, I told you about adoption in the United States today the adoption in uh, in the Roman culture of that day was even a, a little bit different, and, and a couple of those differences help us understand this a little bit because that 's what Paul would have had in mind when he 's writing these these uh, these words in this letter. Um, uh, today, most of the time, uh, when children are adopted, uh, infants or older, they don't have much of a say in the proceedings. Usually other folks are making those decisions. Um, there's advocates, social workers, always looking out for their best interests, but the child isn't necessarily the one saying, yes, I want to do that. Uh, adoption in ancient times usually happened with older uh, children, um, and uh, and and they would uh, be offered the advantages of adoption, uh, and and then they could accept that or reject that. And, and accepting that meant they assumed a new name, and they cut off their old family ties or their old way of life, and they now moved into a new family. And that helps us understand that, that when God offers us adoption, it is just that—it's an offer that we can either accept or reject. It's not selective. God is not coercive. He's not forcing anything on us. He's merely offering us all of the benefits of being adopted into the family of God. We just have to accept that and believe it. Uh, the, the, the term here uh, for adoption is used... Uh, uh, is is only used by Paul in scripture and and it means uh adoption or sonship and you saw that when we read it it said sonship literally it's a it's a legal term that means full legal standing as an adopted male heir now the 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 scripture keeps that as sonship because that's that's actually a legal term that uh, male or female today if we look back and we say see that it's uh, male or female uh Whoever we are, we can have uh, the full legal standing of a, of a fully adopted uh, child, a fully adopted male heir that would have been in that culture at that time. No matter, no matter who we are, we can be completely part of the family of God with all of the rights and all of the privileges and all of the benefits associated with being family. Part of those benefits would include an inheritance, right? Uh, not only is there that uh, daddy-child relationship with God now, we can have that relationship with God now, but there's also this hope for the future and for eternity. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Peter uh, referred to this uh, in First 1 Peter 1, four. we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for us. Our adoption gives us the full rights as sons, another translation says. The, the, the benefits are, are rather significant. There's a relationship with the Father now and a promise of eternal life in heaven for eternity. I, I remember both of the days. Obviously, I remember a lot of uh, the whole process, but I remember those days when we went to the courthouse. Uh, to, uh, to, to get everything finalized. You know, you, you're just still a little bit nervous until all of that is done, right? And I especially remember uh, when we went to the courthouse in Junction City, Kansas to uh, have Nick's adoption finalized. Um, I, I, I'm not sure why it, it's. Uh, I guess we had a little bit more interaction with the judge, and, and he spoke to us a little bit more. We, you know, we walked through the formalities, we signed and submitted all the papers, we waited the appropriate amount of time, we we went to the courtroom at our appointed uh, date and time, and and the the, the judge uh, came in. He, he reviewed the paperwork. It was just us and him in the courtroom. It was kind of an off time there, and and uh, and he talked to us a little bit and asked us a few questions, and then he kind of set the papers aside and he kind of leaned forward. And I don't remember the exact words, but. But but he was mainly looking at me. So Nick's there in the in the in the carrier with the binky in his mouth, and you know, I wish he still had that binky. But um, someday, someday, you know, no. Um, the judge is is talking to me, and basically, basically, he was emphasizing. He kind of put everything aside, and he's emphasizing. You know this this child is now yours forever. <laughs> uh, like, this is a big deal. Um, he talked about that this child's probably going to get sick at some point. You're responsible to make sure he stays healthy, uh, to get him better. You're responsible to look after his care. Uh, it, there, There are going to be expenses involved with this child. You're responsible to pay those expenses. Uh, there, there's going to be difficult times. It's, it's not all just going to be smooth sailing. You need to find solutions. Uh, there, there, there's no going back on this now. This child is yours. He's family, just as if he had been born through natural means. Nick was now, is now, will always be our responsibility we are to provide for everything that he needs in order to grow healthy and strong. Because of this adoption, Nick, well, and Claire, but especially as I'm remembering all this, just emphasized to me more and more, Nick was going to have the full benefits of being in the family. Right? Full rights as a son. Because he was, he is our child. Adoption, uh, biological, doesn't really matter. In, in the eyes of the law, in the light, eyes of God, in the eyes of our family, we're family. There's a connection, there's a responsibility, and there are benefits to that. And, and Paul wrote that, that, that those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Adopted with all the rights and privileges that come with being family. There's a relationship with Daddy God. There's a there, there's there's a, a hope, an inheritance for all eternity. There's also being a part of a family. There's also responsibilities, right? Something very very significant um, took place on those days. We walked into that courtroom, papers signed. I don't think any gavels were banged or anything like that. But uh, but but certainly those papers were were signed, and now everything was was finalized and Nick and Claire took on the family name they are writers right that that term that 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 Paul used for adoption uh also has a connotation if we we're going to if we would look at it in the greek and we knew greek uh we would know that, that there's also the connotation of this meaning likeness or resemblance that we have we're not only adopted into the family of god but there's a there's a likeness or a resemblance to God and that doesn't quite make sense to in my mind with adoption I mean that biological children obviously have a resemblance uh with their with their parents. oh she has your eyes or or, or he has his father smashing good looks I mean I still get that even though they're they're adopted that usually um uh, she she holds her head like her mother or uh he's gonna be tall just look at his father uh, we, we expect that resent family resemblance right Claire has, uh, has some, uh, Korean uh, blood somewhere in, in the, uh, the, the generations, uh, previous to her. And, uh, every time we'd go into, uh, 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 an Asian restaurant of any kind. Immediately, they saw it. We we wouldn't necessarily see it, but uh, uh, but they saw it as, uh, just the the shape of of her face and her eyes and and whatever. And they oh, she's. And they they would they would recognize there was a resemblance to to her biological. Nick is half Hispanic, half African American. He does not look like his very white parents, right? <laughs> Adoption is not usually associated with resemblance. But Paul says that when we're adopted into the family of God, we take on the family name and we begin to resemble the Father. Part of that resemblance is given to us. Part of that resemblance is our obligation, that is the word used there, our obligation to live up to. When we're adopted into the family of God, we're given the Holy Spirit. Our text refers to the Holy Spirit uh, five times in seven verses. It's, it's because of God's Spirit within us that we can cry out, Abba, Father. It's because of His Spirit that we are children of God. And when God's Spirit lives within us, He develops His character in our lives and we begin to resemble the character of God. If I uh, mention the name George Foreman to you, uh you he's famous for many things, right? He's boxing, uh he's a he's a pitch man on TV. You've probably got his grill somewhere tucked away in your uh in your cabinet somewhere uh on TV. And maybe the most famous thing that he's known for is he named all five of his sons George, right? And uh, we kind of chuckle at that, and uh, usually someone would ask him uh, about that, why he gave all of his sons the same name. Usually his first response uh, was something like, if you'd been hit in the head as many times as I had, uh, you'd make life as simple as possible, he said. If, if the interviewer would go on and ask him a little bit more, uh, he would kind of get a little bit serious, and he said, I named my kids George because I want them all to remember who their daddy is. There's a relational component to that. I want to remember who their daddy is. There's also an expectation to maintain in that. I want them to remember who their daddy is. In remembering who their daddy is, George's sons have an obligation to live up to that name, that character, uh, 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 who they are as being part of the family. In verses 12 and 13, Paul says that we have an obligation to put sin to death and to live according to the Spirit. Being adopted into the family of God comes with the expectation to live up to the family name, so to speak, to to live according to the character and the values of the family of God. With the privilege of adoption into God's family comes the responsibility to allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit. 1 John chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, in the message paraphrase, puts it this way, people conceived and brought into life by God don't make a practice of sin. How could they? God's seed is deep within them, making them who they are. It's not in the nature of the God-begotten to practice and parade sin. Here's how you tell the difference between God's children and the devil's children. The one who won't practice righteous ways isn't from God, nor is the one who won't love brother or sister. A simple test. Sin, and we talked about this the last several weeks now, sin has no place in the family of God. A big thing every family deals with is obedience, right? Uh, Just as a a parent gives a child certain rules for their own good and their own protection, our Father God has given us uh, rules and standards to live by for our own spiritual good. And as part of the family, obedience is expected. There are amazing privileges and, and, and rights as, as a child of God. There are also responsibilities to live up to and an obligation to live according to the Spirit. Adoption is a, is a big deal. I mean, it changes everything. Uh, uh, it changes relationships, it changes uh, standing. Uh, it, uh, you know, God, God uh, if we think of about, in, again, in these spiritual terms, God plucks us out of the problems and difficulties of sin and, and he opens his home, he opens his heart to us. We can enjoy a daddy-child relationship with him uh, even now and, and we have an inheritance, a hope for eternity in heaven. Uh, we, we live in that relationship and as we do, we resemble our father more and more and his character is developed within us and we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and, and, and we avoid sin and it's a wonderful picture of God's work in our lives and we benefit so much from being adopted by God. But this adoption, I just, just wanna, want us to, to recognize this real quick today. This adoption is not all about us. In my experience as an adoptive parent, there are certainly some some very real uh, real ways that, that we have done something good to help these children that we have adopted. Uh, we've provided a home when there was no home. We've opened our hearts. We've uh, provided these relationships. I mean, these children should be eternally grateful, doggone it, right? And some days that, no, I'm just, no. Say that in jest, and yet, yet you know, there's there's some truth to that, that they're, they're, it's changed everything for them and yet there's there's more to it there it's not just about how they benefit uh, rebecca and i have been the recipients of of so much joy and and love in those relationships uh, that 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 we have with have had and continue to have with our children uh, that we're forever grateful for the opportunity to be parents right now i mean not every day is roses and sunshine But the joy of parenthood is is still there. And although the price has been high emotionally and physically and financially, we experience that joy that we never would have known had we not entered into this journey of adoption. God has offered to adopt us into his family. And for that, we must be eternally grateful. There's so many benefits for us. But it's not just all about us. I think it's important to note that God delights in the relationship that He has with His children. Despite the high cost of Jesus' death, there is joy for God when we choose to accept His offer of adoption. Luke 15:10 says, "I tell you there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over uh, angels of God over one sinner." who repents. God the Father delights in his children. He loves us. It's not just, oh, look at all this great stuff I'm giving to these these, uh, poor people. It's, I love you so much, and I'm delighting in the relationship that we have together. So we have the possibility of adoption by the king of the universe. Pretty pretty amazing uh, thing to think about. It comes with privileges so vast that we even can't even comprehend them all. The best of which is that we can call the king, daddy. We are, we are co-heirs with Christ of eternal glory in heaven. It means turning our lives over to our heavenly father so he can mold us and shape us and develop his character within us and make us all that, we, all that he wants us to be, so much more than we could possibly do on our own. And not only is it best for us, it also brings him joy